Like when was the bottom where you said, I can't do this anymore? When I went to jail. The second time. The time I was there and literally couldn't fucking leave. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. Sometimes you have to go through the darkness to reach the light. That's what I did. After 12 years of recovery in sex and love addiction, I finally found my soulmate, myself. Please join me in my novel, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, a four-time bestseller on Amazon. It's a brutal, honest, raw, gnarly ride, but hilarious at the same time. Check it out now on Amazon. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know, those deep, dark secrets you probably want to take to your grave? Or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing? Really, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Ashley. Now, Ashley, I have a question for you. Dun, dun, dun. What is your secret? I was an alcoholic and went to jail. (gasps) No. (laughs) You went to jail. How long were you in jail for? Four months. Four months. So you were in jail for four months. You were an alcoholic. How long were you an alcoholic for? I mean, are you in recovery now? Are you still drinking? No, I've been sober for two and a half years. Congrats. Um, Thank you. Um, I would say a good two and a half almost three-year period. You were drinking heavily. Uh, heavily, probably a year. Heavily, probably a year. So let's let's kick it back. Let's like go old school. Well, first sure. question for you is, does addiction run in your family? Yes. Okay. Like and, super bad. <laughs> like, can you give like a detail? Because I remember looking back at my family tree going, oh, this is where it stemmed from. Yeah, so my dad was an alcoholic and he got sober... After he got a DUI and I was a, like two. Oh, okay. So I'm the oldest. So he, he got sober for me. And then my, on my mom's, so it's like both sides. So on my mom's side, my uncle was a crazy bad alcoholic as well. Like really, really bad. 10 times worse than my dad. Wow. Yeah. So I actually didn't drink until I didn't drink until 21. And then I barely drank. Interesting. So then what happened for you to go over that edge to then start drinking so much? Yeah, I had a lot of issues that I just, I push things down. It's like Mm -hmm. a super bad habit I have. So I would just, just so you know, a lot of people do that. Just so you know, you're not the (laughs) only one. I mean, a lot of people. So I would push all these things down and then my parents got divorced when I was 10. So my dad was sitting, I was sitting next to my dad. Mm -hmm. And then my mom called, said that she had packed all her stuff last night. She wasn't coming home and that they were getting divorced. And basically I was sitting right next to him. So then he handed the phone to me and was like, you need to tell your daughter this. And like, my mom wouldn't speak. And then my youngest brother was one and she just left. Like, didn't want like didn't want to like take any of us with her like any of that so then I was there for that and then I really helped my dad because I was the oldest Mm -hmm. so I was 10 and then it just created so many abandonment issues because there were so many of us it was so hard for him to uh, divide his time evenly yeah 
So then I ended up in a relationship and it was just not for me. And then I actually, my ex-husband was actually his boss. Okay, well, hold on. We got to go back a little bit. <laughs> you're like you're like on a freight train and I'm trying to slow it down. <laughs> so first of all, your mom just peaced out. Peaced out. Have you seen her since? Yeah. You have. How was that? Mm-hmm. Well, growing up, it was hard. So my dad never forced us to go. He had sole custody. Yeah. So he never forced us to go. But my mom was with this guy and he apparently liked to like walk around in his underwear. So I could never go overnight. I could only go like for the day. Well, I love so, whoever made that rule that whoever did yeah, that right. protected you because that's disgusting. <laughs> so, so, and I would just every now and then there was like a one or two year period where I refused to leave my dad. Like I wouldn't go with her. I didn't want to talk to her. And then she got me a cell phone when I was like really young, 13 or something. And back then it was crazy. I'm 34. So, and it was on and off. I really didn't see her all that much. And then I was going through like so much teenage stuff and then I ended up like having to live with her and it was traumatic. Oh no. Yeah. So, and I just never let go of a lot of the anger and just like my life was ruined when she left. Like I did not have a life. Like I didn't go to prom. Like I didn't do anything. Like I took care of my brothers. That's what I did. You just shut down. And I just like got into music and I didn't really do anything bad. My dad was super strict So, I mean, I couldn't even wear a shirt that, like, didn't cover my jean zipper. Like, he was really, really, really protective. So, when I moved in with her, it was because... Part of it was because my... um, Her mom was passing away, who I was extremely close to. Okay. So, and she did everything for us. Like, she would come and pick us up if we were sick at school and just drive us, like, five minutes down the road. And she lived, you know, 45 minutes away. So... That was, it was just hard. So when I lost her, I feel like that's like my first viral. Mm. Cause I was living with my mom. So I convinced my mom to like sign me out of school. Oh, like to stop going to school completely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so what, time, what, what age was that? I was 16. 16. So you stopped going to mm-hmm. high school at 16. Yeah. And your mom so, approved and- that. She signed it and then my dad flipped out and because her signature was there, they couldn't do anything about it. Wow. Like my dad went to the school and tried to undo it and he put okay. it in. He's like, I think I made like such a bad decision, you know, bring you to her. But he, I was dealing with so many issues, like female issues that he didn't really know how to navigate. Right. And Can you say one of those doing, female issues that you were going through? I mean probably trying to figure out like sexuality stuff like he wouldn't let me date so it's it was weird and then I really didn't leave the house I mean obviously what dad wants to deal with any woman's menstrual cycle so like that was he would be like oh just put like toilet paper there and his girlfriend was like she can't do that (laughs) but here's the thing do you think because your mother was so you know had no rules and your dad was so many rules that it was hard to find the balance It was because with her, I could do whatever I wanted. Like I was 17 and my boyfriend was 27 or something. And it was like a normal thing. Like I knew him, my mom knew his family, so it was fine. And like, I mean, I lost my virginity like in the house and she knew about it. Yeah. (laughs) That's not the best parenting skills. But I, I mean, I can relate to you. I feel like my father had no rules and my mother was so strict. So I had the opposite. But that really like 
anxiety was created because you never know what you're going to get. And you never felt, I never felt safe completely. Cause it was like, yeah, I too I extreme. That. Did that happen to mm-hmm. you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Because it was like, and it took me a long time and a lot of therapy to get balance as a human being oh, yeah. <laughs> because it was, like, and it was just like, I mean, I look back on like past relationships, past anything, and even like just a friendship. And it was just, I was never balanced. I was like either too intense or like not enough. Yeah. Because yeah. it was like, I had like this up and down where there was like, like that. There was always like an invisible line that I would cross. Yeah. No boundaries. That's like, no, your parents didn't have, so you didn't have, but it's crazy. You lost your virginity to a 27 year old at 17. Yeah. And like willingly. So it wasn't a situation where it was, it it was a willingly situation and we dated and got engaged and we never got married, but Mm -hmm. I ended up just, he just wasn't for me. I'm a pretty ambitious person and he wasn't. And eventually it just like, and he would like, I was best friends with his best friend's wife and she would like tell me all this stuff he would say about me behind my back. And I was like, I do not need to be in this situation, but I was stuck like most women, like you're stuck. Okay. Mm -hmm. Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? And then I just happened to my ex's boss was going through a divorce and I'm just a helpful person. I like to be helpful. He's like, Oh, you should talk to Ashley. She's so helpful. She will probably help you through this. And then I ended up backfiring, I guess, but (laughs) <laughs> so he was going on a, through a divorce with mm-hmm. somebody who cheated on him. His wife of like, I think they were together for like 12 or 13 years, had just cheated on him and told him she wanted a divorce. And then you got with him? Immediately. Oh, that's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I, all I can see right now is <laughs> like the red lights be like abort mission, abort oh mission. God. And when you're going through it, like you don't see any of the red flags. It's no, insane. You get trapped. Nuts. You get trapped by that fantasy or illusion or gaslighting or love bombing or all name all that stuff. And it's you like, there were no terms for this back then. Like oh, these no. terms didn't exist. <laughs> like they were like non-existent. People were just like, oh, this guy sucks. Like, let me move on. There was no, and then everything was just so fast. And yeah. that would have been like a big red flag. Yeah. I mean, the yeah, day so if you're out ex-wife. there and you're in a relationship and it's moving too fast, that's a not a good thing, Stop. right? Stop. <laughs> so wait, you got, and how old were you when you met your, cause that's your husband. You got married to this, the, the uh, one my, that was getting yeah. divorced, right? Yeah. So he's my ex-husband. So he, mm-hmm. we, I met him when I was 21. I was about to turn 22. Oh like my month, God, you were like, like a, a baby. Yeah, yeah, you don't I need to be yeah. getting married. <laughs> I, I like want to hold you. No, <laughs> you don't know who you are yet. You know what I mean? And then that's when you started drinking when you went to your mom's? No, nope. So I didn't start drinking until I was, it, I, I was going through my divorce. Wow. I was, it was after I got divorced, actually, after like the divorce was final. It was like a couple months after that, I started kind of going crazy. You started dating him at 21. Then what age were you when you got married? 23. Okay, so quick. 23. Yeah. And then how long were you married? Almost four years. Okay. I just... There's a lot going on. So we're trying to... We're trying to... So much. (laughs) So you moved in with your mom, your grandma passed. And did you start acting out in any way? Because you didn't start drinking. No. No, you just kept it all together. 
because I knew about the alcoholics on both sides, mm-hmm. I was super cautious about like, I wouldn't even let anyone peer pressure me. Like I was like, nope, I'm not drinking. Nope, I'm not drinking. Like I was right. very, very, very cautious about how much I drank. My mom has severe back issues. And when I was a teenager, she had a seizure because mm-hmm. one of her pain patches that had medicine in it, like it stopped working. And so she had a seizure and I didn't have my license. I was like 17 and I had to like drive her to the hospital and she's seizuring in the front seat. And so it was like intense. So I knew to stay away from like all that stuff. And to this day, I barely even take medicine. Right. So you just know like the chemical addiction, but do you know that addiction forms in other ways like eating or working out or shopping or sex and love like I do? None of that was going on. Or you were just like shopping. So when I met my ex-husband, oh, you were he, shopping. <laughs> yeah, he he was he made good money. Mm-hmm. So I so he had four kids. So I didn't work. I just took care of the kids, like nanny the kids with their stepmom, and and I also grew up super poor. So mm-hmm. part of it was just, I mean. I wanted to buy anything that I didn't have. And for them, I was super cautious about them always having really nice clothes, always having really nice stuff. Like I got made fun of so bad in school for just having stuff that like everyone knew my dad just went to the town to get, you know, because he couldn't afford it because there's so many of us. So I was super hyper aware of that, but it became like bad. Like how bad? What was like the biggest? Bad. Did you just put it on credit? No. So I didn't go into debt or anything like that, but we had, we had a shared account. So I would just like be buying all this stuff. And like, he would, he was like, I don't understand. We need to relax because like, you know, he was at the time, I didn't understand anything. I was so young. So it's, I didn't understand. Like he was struggling to like pay our mortgage. Like I didn't even understand that Yeah. at the time. And it's not like he came out. And he was like, oh, this is like kind of a problem. But he didn't say it in a way where it was just like, okay, we're going to lose the house. Like he never said that to me. So it was just. Sometimes that doesn't even matter. You know, like we do what we do to not feel in reality. Mm -hmm. So who knows if that Mm -hmm. would even happen. But how much were you like, how much were you spending in a week? um, I mean, it was I mean, I would go to the grocery store, but would go to like a grocery store that had other stuff and just buy other stuff. Like he was like, and eventually he took like my card, like, because it was just so much money. I would just say thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars. Like it was, I just needed everything. Like I had so many clothes I had, like, I, there's nothing I could have wanted. Right. Cause he just, and he didn't stop me until he took the card. Mm. How was that? How was breaking that habit? Was that difficult? That was hard, but I had gotten a job. Mm. so I had got (laughs) you're like fine I'll get a job and make my own money so I can spend it (laughs) yeah so we were talking about it and he like got a second job so then I felt really bad I'm like I should probably get a job now so I got a job in a restaurant so the first year was hard because his youngest daughter only went to school part of the day so she only went to school for like three hours so I could only work for a certain times. So I started off as like a host at like Ruby Tuesday. And yeah. then, um, and I'm a very ambitious person. So within eight months, I got promoted to a manager. So I did that. And I was definitely more cautious with my money, but still kind of spending it because I was like, well, he's paying everything. So like, I don't have to pay anything. So yeah, I just like have this, this is so fun I money. It for, yeah. 
Yeah. So I just used it. And my, my dad was begging me to save my money just in case something happens. Like you never know, like, please just save your money. And I was like, yeah, whatever dad, like nothing's going to happen. It's my soulmate. Like, you know, oh, and you then... use the soulmate, you use the soulmate word that oh, I hate. It was horrible. Horrible. <laughs> So that was already going on. So I think finances is always a hard for couples. And then, then on top of it, if you're an addict underneath it, why mm-hmm. did the marriage break up? Can we get to that? Because we still have to get, I'm, we, this is like a journey we're going yeah. on, people. We're on a journey with Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the shopping was always an issue. Okay. And then he was, insanely jealous because he was cheated on he was super controlling definitely narcissistic Mm. and we fought all the time I had serious abandonment issues because of what my mom did so it I always thought he was going to leave me divorce me we fought constantly like I would I would create this is what I would do I would create an argument so that he would have to fight for me every time like that's what I did. Isn't that crazy? Every it was time. like your little inner child was like screaming out <laughs> his little, and they were like battling to like prove they're lovable or something. It's insane what we do. It was, it was crazy. And then, so I never really stopped shopping. Mm. And then once I started, so then I'm working and I'm gone. We work opposite because of like kids schedules and everything like that. And then I would take like one weekend off a month and we would spend that together. And, um, I was very about the kids, especially because of how I grew up. I just wanted to always be there for them. We were having a lot of issues and we were like talking about having kids. And like, one thing he said is like, I would always like return stuff, bring it back. Cause I have anxiety. So I would like return and be like, no, I want something else and bring it back. And he was like, well, you can't return a baby. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, like, obviously. <laughs> so we thought about that for a while. And then, one day I thought like everything was kind of going in the right direction. He had asked me to take a day off so that we could spend time together, no kids. And then like all of a sudden it's just like something switched and I didn't even notice any of the signs because I was so busy working. Mm -hmm. And so he comes upstairs, wakes me up and is like, I need to talk to you downstairs. And he, and this is totally like narcissistic controlling person. He was like, "Uh, I want a divorce. You can't say anything to me. I've already made up my mind and this is over. And I'm like, what? What happened? <laughs> and was it's he just cheating? like, it was crazy. So he was cheating on me with his ex-wife for three oh, months. No. I found out the next day I came home early and she was in my house in his clothes with the kids. So like, I couldn't even like freak out. I had to remain completely calm because all the kids were there and they had already told the kids like, this is the day after like how the hell, like I just found out. So, yep. So then I stayed there for like three months and then I moved out. Wait, uh, you are like jumping too far for me. First of all, that's her kids, right? Yeah. So she just like put herself right back in. Because that was her house. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You walked in, she was there and you still stayed there for three months? So I had to, I didn't even have a choice. Like my brother ended up helping me out so much financially. Like, I don't know what I would have done without him. And then I ended up moving in. I had a roommate. Wait, no, no, no. We're not, we're not past this part. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, where did you sleep? How did that work? So, so we, so, oh my God, She's, you so, should see her face. You guys. She's like smiling from ear to ear. She's so uncomfortable right now. <laughs> so when the kids were there, we slept in the same bed, but with like a body pillow. 
And the only thing, everything was super normal, except we literally just didn't have sex or kiss. Like, and like, so we'd watch TV and like all the shows and we would go to bed at the same time. And this happened for a month until he started going over there. And then like, he wasn't home at all. And then the days when we didn't have the kids, he'd just sleep in one of their beds. So we slept in the same bed for But was three, she in the bed weeks. with you or just you two? No, just her, just him and I. Oh my God. Yeah. How traumatic. So, cause she had her own place like 30 minutes away or something. So then he started going there all the time. Uh-huh. And I knew I had like limited amount of time left with the kids. So I spent as much time with them as possible. Well, then not- they were really important to me. So, oh my God. Well, now it makes sense why you started drinking. Yeah. That's a lot. So when did you start doing drinking, you know, after you moved out? Yeah. So I, I was hyper aware and I didn't really want to drink when I was going through so many things emotionally. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to come home and I'm going to like beat the shit out of him. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I would have done because I was so angry. Yeah. So, cause in my mind, I've never cheated on anybody and I don't understand why a person wouldn't just leave. Like I just, that is so hard for me to comprehend. I hear you. I hear you. You and I could have a very long conversation. Let's just say there's a hole inside someone that needs that. So, but that's a whole other conversation, but I get it. I mean, lots of people don't get it when you are addicted to people. And I understand like he's, you know, he probably loved you and he probably loved her and felt, you know, torn between that. And it's not an excuse, but the other person, you deals with that baggage, that pain. So Mm -hmm. you didn't start drinking right away, but then when did you start picking up that bottle? So I didn't really even like alcohol. So it took a little bit. So we actually, right before I moved out, it was, I mean, all my stuff was packed. Like my clothes were in totes and, um, I ended up going out and I mean, a couple of drinks and I was like done. So had some water came home. I like burst into the room that he was sleeping in and was like, how the fuck could you do this to me? Like, I was screaming. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, tell me. Because he he remained with the story, like, oh, we've just been talking. Like, nothing's happened. I was like, I know you fucked her. Like, fuck you. Like, I was just going, Liar. Oh. He's a liar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so then after that, it was like a slow progression. Mm-hmm. But I was definitely just doing, like, bad things. Like, I would go out with people I worked with in the restaurant industry. Like everybody drinks everybody. So, that's huge in the Yeah. I get it. So, and it was like a slow thing where I would get drunk, like maybe like every once in a while. And then I was just like hopping all over the place because it's like, okay, well, and I still was shopping because I wasn't fully the alcoholic yet. As soon as I became an alcoholic, I stopped shopping. Yeah, it whack-a-moles. It goes to something like, else. It's like you got in a relationship, marriage, mm-hmm. then you went to shopping and then you went, you know, mm-hmm. drinking and then shopping. It's just like it whack-a-moles. It goes everywhere. And then, and during this time, I mean, Uber was probably everywhere, but it's just something I never even thought about doing. So, I mean, I would drive home because I lived, you know, two miles from where I was, which is super unsafe. So I did that for a while and then it just kind of got worse over time. Like I realized it numbed everything. I realized during that time for the short period of time, like I didn't have to feel anything. I didn't think about anything. Like I was in this happy state and I had no desire to be with anybody like zero, none. Right. right. I just, you shut down. and I was, and I was with people 
who would not be able to commit to me. Like I was say with somebody who was married. I was with people who like didn't want a relationship like at all. Nothing. Right. We're upfront, upfront about it. And so I think that's where your book really resonated with me because I didn't really think I was like, okay, addiction and like addiction. Like, let me, let me see what this is about. And like at this point where you were explaining different things, I was just like, Oh, this makes sense. Like I'm having sex with somebody who's like giving me money to go and do this. And I'm just like, Oh, okay. And I mean, I was like, this guy was so much older than me. I would like literally take like a nips before even like going into like the hotel room because and like you, I don't, at the time you don't like realize like, this is probably something I shouldn't be doing. Like yeah. I shouldn't be taking four nips and going into a room and letting some guy do whatever he wants. And then you know, giving and, you money or something or whatever. Yeah, like, <laughs> You're like, it's kind of prostitution, but then it's really not. But yeah. then you are selling, you just are giving yourself away because you don't value yourself. And you were probably so zero, broken at that time. Zero self-love. And I think yeah. that was for so long, like so long. Oh, it probably started right when your mom abandoned you. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things. Fear of abandonment is the, one of the number one issues for addictions. So you just start slowly acting out sexually and drinking and putting yourself in situations and drunk driving. Yeah. So when did the shit hit the fan? <laughs> so I got, so before it got really bad, and this mm -hmm. is like such a shitty part of the story. I got pulled over for a DUI mm. and it was, I was like a mile from my house or something. And that's what happens. I was like, oh shit. That's what happens. They say people get DUIs mm. when they're like so close to their house, like a mile or two from their houses. And even at that point, I was just not even thinking I had a problem. Right. And so I had driven home and then I was like, shit. So then I get my car back. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. It's only like a couple months. I won't have my license. Like no problem. My car gets a repo like the next day. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, fuck, like the car's gone when I wake up. And I'm like, and now I'm still drinking. Like how, yeah. like it's my roommate would just like bring me wherever I wanted. So he didn't give a fuck. And like, I drove my car. Like you're not allowed to do that. But I just like would drive my car. So my car gets taken and then I'm like, shit, what am I going to do now? Don't tell anybody, like no one knew about the DUI, like two people. Right, 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 right. So then I just spiraled like, and then my uncle gave me money to buy a car, I buy a car. He uh -huh. has no idea I'm an alcoholic, no idea he's like enabling me and probably shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. So he sends me $5,000, him and my aunt talk about it. And I'm like, okay, this is like going to be good. And then I start working and then... I like drink one night, drive home, no license, by the way. And then I literally like hit some fan at some building, like spiraled. I was right near my house. So on like a rim, I drove home because I'm wasted. So I drove home the next day, like I'm waking up sick, so sick. And then I have like police at my door. I'm like, oh. So they come in and they're like, um, like, what did you do last night? So I'm like trying to like mildly lie my way out of it. And they're yeah. like, um, we should go look at your car. And I'm like, I had no idea. So we go and I'm like, so yeah, then don't they know. don't. <laughs> so when they can't charge me with the DUI, cause they don't know if I was drunk at the time, they have no idea. So they charge me with like some misdemeanor. Like I hit the thing, my insurance took care of everything. The, the place was kind of trying to sue me, but they were trying to like get a new air conditioning unit. So it ended up getting thrown out. And then I think I ended up, I had to do this program that's called alcohol recovery. 
Okay. So you go and they randomly test you like once or twice a month. Um, peanut comp, somebody's supposed to be in the room. That never happened with me. Like they would just let me go in, do whatever and come out. So I did that for a while, but like, mm-hmm. I fucked that up in the beginning. Like I like wouldn't go or I would be like, oh, I'm at work. I can't come. And then eventually he was like, something bad's going to happen. My lawyer. So he was like, you have to yeah, do this. So I did that for a while. And then I, it was just like such a shitty time. I didn't, I didn't have a car. So I ended up moving in with a guy who was friend, knew my ex-husband and had this major crush on me. And I totally used him like for so many years. Yeah. And I have apologized to him. Like we're past that, but it's just, it was bad. And because I knew he liked me. Oh yeah. You totally manipulated. Yeah. You used yeah. get out of somebody. To... <laughs> so you were living with him. And then when did you go to jail? So a while down the road. So he ends up like, I never legally get my license back. So three years I drive no license. Wow. None. And I mean, I'm getting pulled over. Like I ended up getting a couple more DUIs. Like, and they never took my license like fully away. Now it's what they call, it's like temporarily suspended. I'm in the process of getting it back. That is like a horrible situation. And for the person that I was manipulating, like to do the things he did also was like kind of bad because I mean, he bought his friend's car for me so I could drive it. It wasn't insured. Like, I'm not even sure if the fucking plates were legal. Like, I don't even fucking know. And then I ended up getting a really good job. And I was still getting drink it, drinking. I would like get arrested for a night, then come home. And just nothing was happening to me, really. So I was just like, ah, whatever. And I was on probation. I mean, I was fucking leaving the state. Like, I didn't even, like, I was doing whatever no I consequences. wanted. consequences. You, they were just letting, you were sliding through the system. What the hell, please? What the hell? They were all enabling you. Jeez. So then I, I ended up getting a really good job as a restaurant manager. And then I ended up getting arrested on a violation of probation. So I got arrested, like, at work in the morning handcuffed to like taken out and then put a guy I'm freaking out and I saw my phone so like I'm texting the guy the manipulation guy and I'm like trying to figure out what the fuck I'm gonna do and he had bailed me out of jail like a couple times already yeah so he was just like fuck you <laughs> not fuck you but like kind of like you need to fucking figure this out so I went to jail for like 10 days how was that I think it was so it was like in the I wasn't towards the end of my addiction I was so much in the middle of it Right, right, right. That I just was like, at the time I was freaking out. My parents wouldn't get me out of jail. My best friend was the only one that was talking to me. Um, She kept like putting money. She's the only one that would talk to me. Like my parents wouldn't talk to me or anything like that. So, and I was talking to my lawyer constantly and she's like, don't worry. Like when you come here, like we're going to let you go. So my friends, my best friend's dad picked me up. Uh Uh-huh. And then they're like, you need to stop drinking, like, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to stop drinking. Like, yep, no problem. Two weeks later, I got arrested for DUI. And I was in an accident. And then at this time, I had formed some, I'd gotten a stalker. It like, it was a bad situation. It was like half I was probably doing it and half he was just, it was a bad situation. So he would like, it was just bad. So that was happening. And I never blacked out before until I met him. So we would go out, he would pay for everything. I could get wasted. And then your stalker. He's yeah. So he ended up getting kind of crazy because he would like text me something and say that like we had sex and stuff. And I'm like, we didn't have sex. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, we had sex like you did this and this and you said this and this. And I'm like, what the fuck? So then it got like a kind of crazy situation. So I was talking to a friend of mine and then she had noticed like he would just show up at places I was at. Wouldn't you tell him where I was? So it started getting kind but, of crazy. So but I was, were you sleep? You did you sleep with him and you just didn't remember? 
I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) Now, during this whole time, I want to like really point out I was on zero birth control, never got pregnant. Like by the grace of God, by the grace of God. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Wow. So you, the first jail was 10 days. Did you go to jail again? I didn't go to jail again until my, so then I got the second DUI when I was in an accident, he was with me. So he, I was at this place, wasted, blacked out. He let me get in my car. I made it like a mile. I love that you said you, he let like, you get in the car. Like it's his fault. Like it's not your responsibility. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. But you got an accident. So I got in an accident <laughs> and then we went into the hospital. So I'm like waking up in the hospital, like 12 hours later, don't know what the fuck happened. Like have no idea, have no recollection of anything. Wow. And then... So then the manipulator comes and gets me, but he's fucking pissed. Like I could tell like this was it for him. Like, Cause you were with stalker. So of course he's like, what the hell? Then I moved back in with the person I lived with when I first got the DUI and he was like an enabler and he was just trying to do like the right thing. I think, I don't think he really thought like, um, probably like fucking her up further. Oh Um, no, people don't, when they enable, they think they're helping, but they're not. But But when did you get, like, when was the bottom where you said, I can't do this anymore? When I went to jail. Okay. The second time. Yeah. The time I was there and literally couldn't fucking leave. (laughs) So how long were you there for? Four months. It was a mandatory. So they ran my sentences. I got charged with the two DUIs. Okay. They ran my sentences concurrent. And I had already, but I wasn't, I was, I went to jail on April 3rd. So that's my sober date. Um, and, cause I got, I got fucking fucked up the night before I was like, I'm going to jail. Like I knew I was going to jail. I turned myself in. I, you yeah. know, was talking to my probation officer. So like, and I mean, this whole time I'm on probation for like three and a half years. Yeah. So, but it finally, they put down the hammer and said like, okay, yeah. you are going to jail for this amount of time. So you like, it's not like you came and were handcuffed. You had to turn yourself in. Yeah, I got, so I violated, so the DUI isn't how I ended up in jail, if that makes sense. So I violated my probation because Mm -hmm. when you get arrested and you get charged with something, you violate your probation. Yes, 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 yes. So, and most times either you sit in jail and they bring you to court and then they let you go or like they put like such a low bond on you. You can just like call somebody and be like, oh, it's a hundred bucks, like get me out. So it was, so like I went to jail and it was literally, and I think it was like a thousand dollars or something to get me out. Mm-hmm. And like, even though I knew I was going to go to jail, I even called my roommate and like pleaded with him to like give me a thousand dollars for what? Like I would have had to serve that time. Yeah. But I just, I just wasn't, I wasn't even at a done place until like I got in jail and I kind of knew what to expect because I was already there one time. Right. So, so, you know, and thankfully, and I was like a weird alcoholic because I, I didn't drink every day. Mm-hmm. You're a binge, um, I, you're a binge drinker. I bet you yeah, sound like a binge drinker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I wouldn't, I like, you know, I never drank in the morning. Like I, yeah. I, you know, so it was just like a different situation. But when I drank, I fucking blacked out. Yeah. You're a binge. That's what it's called. You don't have to, you could drink for not months. And then once you start drinking, you just no. like go to extreme. This time it was just so different. Cause I knew it's going to be in there for at least four months. Mm-hmm. So I knew it could be longer. It could be six months. It could have been a year. Like I had no idea what they would end up doing because I was in so much fucked up shit. So I got there. And as soon as like, they do like this holding period. So you have to hold for like two weeks and you're in this room with like fucking a million people. It's like four or five people. 
And then, and some of them are like detoxing off of drugs. So some of them are like super yeah. fucking sick. I was very, very, very lucky. Um, both times I was, I think it was an older lady. She also had a DUI and then it was just like mild people who were kind of like on the mend of them detoxing from what they were on. So it was, it was nothing serious, but some of the conversations I had with these people were wild. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that's a whole other show. <laughs> like, but I, I love that going to jail brought you to your knees, but when you got out, did you work a program? How did you stay sober? Because I know people are listening and I work a 12 step program and I, I want to hit on this because we're running out of time, but how did you stay? How, what would be your advice for people that don't want to work a program or had DUIs and getting out of that situation? So I went to two meetings and was completely judged because I had stopped drinking because I went to jail. So I didn't drink. I wasn't in any kind of program. So like, we don't understand how you've been sober for six months, like by yourself. So I was getting super judged and I was like, um, I don't feel comfortable. So I was already sober. So I left and I actually read a couple books. So I read a book by Tiffany Jenkins who mm -hmm. had a completely different experience. She was an alcoholic. And then I picked up Russell Brand's book and that shit changed my life. Mm -hmm. I worked his 12 step program because he went through a program. So through his book, I worked my 12 steps and I worked them slowly. I didn't like rush through anything. I took the book and I did the steps just in my own time. Mm -hmm. The forgiveness step steps took me so long because I'm going through so many emotions because I'm no longer masking anything. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going through like all of these different emotions, but I'm thankful that I was able to do that because a meeting just was not for me. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it's smaller groups. Sometimes it's therapy. Sometimes it takes what it takes, but I'm so happy that you're on the other side of it and you're not using, but here's my last question for you. Dun, dun, dun. Are you using any other area of your life now? Are you, cause as a, as an addict, we can transfer it so easily. Is there any place right now that you're not clean, spiritually clean or are you clean? Like no relationships, no shopping, no eating, none of that stuff. Nope. So I'm married. Yay. So I got married a, a month, I got married a month ago. My husband is also sober. Oh, I love that. Yep. So he's been sober six months less than me. Oh, I love that. And we didn't meet any kind of like sober situation. A friend of ours who I met when I was a crazy alcoholic set us up and we just immediately. I love it. I love two people that come together and support each other and to try to stay off any isms. My husband is also sober, so I totally get it. It's just, it, it makes communication so much easier. <laughs> it does. Well, here's my last question for you. If someone is listening out there and struggling, you know, and got in a lot of situations that you have, what would be your advice for them right now? I would try to recognize it before any of the bad shit that happened to me <laughs> happens to you because it's so hard. It's a tough life. I haven't been able to drive in two and a half years. Yeah. So I would definitely reach out to somebody like so many people put everything on social media. If somebody, you know, is sober, don't feel embarrassed. Just reach out to them you know, and just kind of find, go get a book. Like Russell Brand's book is amazing. Just get some, talk to somebody, even somebody who's not sober might know somebody who is yeah. and can get you some help because go to therapy. Your therapist will tell you you're an alcoholic. Yeah. 
they will help you. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on. We could literally talk forever. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon.